Um, all right, we will move on with that spirited thought uh, to talk about the Niners at the Raiders. So I suppose we all expected um, a, a convincing win for the Niners, but, you know, in fairness, it was kind of a mad, mad game. And I, I think, it, am I right in thinking it went to overtime and it was, it was very close to like, it was like 37, 34. Um, Christine, I see you nodding there. T- talk to me, talk to me about this one and, and what, what, what happened here. You know what? I covered social media yesterday for the six o'clock games and the nine o'clock games were such a letdown. My adrenaline was pumping. I was fired. This was the best game. I almost turned off football, which is very rare for me, to be honest with you. Look, at yesterday was an amazing, amazing game. It just goes to show how, again, it was all the Christian McCaffrey show. It really and truly was. Brock Purdy couldn't have gone wrong. He had one bad throw yesterday, which was really interesting. McCaffrey rushed 121 yards, six passes and 72 yards, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the third time he surpassed 1,000 yards in this season for and touchdowns in five games, five consecutive games he's had touchdowns. And just goes to show again, when the ball is given to him, how great he is. I love the way he owns after popping up that comment as well about Adam's catch towards the end of the game. That is something that, you know, again... There was seven receptions for Adams yesterday, 153 yards and two touchdowns. He was on fire for sure. This this game just went toe for toe. We questioned him at the start of the week last weekend coming into the game yesterday, but he really came to fruitation yesterday. The question is, is he very similar to what Brock Purdy is doing? You know, both quite young, both kind of very new to where they are, not really playing games beforehand. Will he be the QB for Raiders next year? Not quite sure. Brady is still in that name for contention. And we've had this conversation offline this week where I was saying Colts and Raiders need to stop going for old QBs. It hasn't worked. They need to go for a young QB, build it up, do exactly what the Steelers is doing and what other teams are doing. And the Jags is doing, look at Trevor Lawrence. And they could go forward with that. I really think yesterday's nine o'clock game, Saints and Raiders was the best one for me out of all of the nine o'clocks. Nice. Mark, what about you? What did you take away from this one? Well, well, in fairness, Chris, they did try and go young. They did draft Derek Carr. They, you know, they avoided the, the fact that his brother had been sacked into oblivion in the Texans and said, look, hey, we're going to give this kid a shot. And they draft him in the second round. And uh, that marriage is clearly over. Obviously, they've benched him for the last two games of the season. They'll, you know, uh, to say to give Stidham a chance, the reality is, Carr's contract is guaranteed against injury. So therefore, if he gets injured in the last two games, cutting bait with him, which is essentially what they can do at the end of the season, uh, becomes non-feasible with the cap. So, you know, that's why he's gone. Stidham comes in. He knows Josh McDaniel's offense. He worked with him at the Patriots for a number of years as a backup. So he has some advantages there. But by God, did he come in and play ball through for more yards than Derek Carr has in any game in all season uh, long and yes, Owen is right to call out that Adams catch and certainly the questionable nature of that. But ultimately, this game was a great tussle. Brock Purdy is certainly still very Purdy, and we were briefly on on a chat talking at one point about the the 49ers offense and, and when they get Samuel back, you've got players, you've got Samuel McCaffrey and Ayuk who can all easily be on the field at the same time, can all run the ball, and you absolutely have to account for them in the receiving game. Not even turning to Kittle, not even considering Elijah Mitchell, who's been on IR and needs to come back. Uh, not even considering the fact that they've had so much riches with the run game that they traded Mostert and they traded um, Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins, even in season, obviously, after the McCaffrey pickup. Uh, they are so 
multiple, basically they need Purdy to be Tom Brady in 2002. Don't make silly mistakes. Make the throws, short throws, safe throws on third down when you need to, and let the defense and the run game and that O-line take care of business the rest of the way. I, I kind of want to go just with the little Nigel Farage point, by the way, Calais. I think earlier Don't. in the year, <laughs> I predicted that the San Francisco 49ers would make the Super Bowl. And seven weeks into the season, they were sitting at three and four. And there was some gentle mocking uh, of that prediction that came up. Well, as Nigel Farage told the uh, European Union at one point, you're not laughing anymore. Nine wins on the bounce, 12 and four, now sitting in second place. And I happen to be going to Santa Clara on the 101 uh, for the divisional weekend. So uh, they might even have a home playoff game if they win out against Arizona next week to enjoy there. And, of course, they win the wildcard round. Very important. So um, all pointing the right direction in San Fran. For the Raiders, the offseason is going to be fascinating. That's all I'll say. Awesome. Ryan, did you have something very quickly, very, very quickly to throw in? Yeah, I don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction to Stidham's performance yesterday, but he was a third-round pick for the Patriots, and he, he couldn't stay healthy in his time in New England. So we've never really seen much of him at all. So like, maybe he will be the long-term long-term solution. He's come over with Josh McDonald's. He knows the offense. He probably knew the offense better than Derek Carr did throughout the course of the season, which was probably reflecting reflective of the performance in which he put in yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see if it's... Uh, one of those situations where they'll just put it down to the end of season performance against the 49ers defense that's been really strong this year, or they, and they look for another quarterback. But maybe he, maybe the answer is in house after all. Indeed, uh, that was preferable to ending on a comment using Nigel Farage in any capacity, whether in jest or otherwise. Uh, let's the less talked about him, the better. Okay, Jets at Seahawks is the next one we're going to talk about. <laughs> and uh, I think I'll jump straight in just uh, without me saying any preamble. Uh, maybe, Brian, why don't you take it away on this one? It was 23-6, I think, was the Seahawks win. Yeah, this game was, was over very early. The Jets just didn't, didn't seem prepared for this game. I mean, we keep going on about the Jets. Like we all picked them again, and we all keep referring to this real strong defense throughout the course of the season. But Mark's there; they've lost four games. They've actually now lost five games in a row. So that's how, but, but that's how damning it is. And the defense that was for the for the half first half of the season looked really strong. I was looking at the numbers today. Like they gave up 107 yards on the ground to the Lions. They gave up 147 yards um, against the Jags last week, and they gave up another ton yesterday to Kenneth Walker with a 60-yard run on the on the very opening play of the game. Um, offensively they couldn't get anything going on for the Seattle defence that's been really poor of late and it's kind of regressed from what we saw earlier in the season going up against what was supposed to be another dominant offensive line as well um, with, with the Jets it just it wasn't it wasn't the case yesterday in fact it was the opposite way around because on the other side the Jets defence couldn't get anything going against an offensive line that has two rookies playing and they had a good start to the season and they kind of you know kind of fell back a little bit but yesterday it looked like the Seahawks of all the Seahawks have put themselves in a position where they can potentially make the playoffs next week but it's a big ask to be honest bearing in mind the Packers game and stuff but look for the Jets like the suggestions today that maybe Salah won't be even the head coach next season that Woody Johnson is now getting impatient and it was like if they had won seven games at the start of the season most Jets fans would have said that's great they might even win eight if they win next week in Miami but it's more about the the manner how the season plays out now that they've lost five games consecutively just talk of maybe the head coach not being there next season another interesting off season ahead for the Jets as always 
your take on it then, Mark, uh, given that there's maybe a slim chance here for the Seahawks after this? Yeah, there, there is a slim chance. They've got to win, and then they've got to hope that the Lions beat the Packers. That's their only pathway. They need both results to go their way, um, and that will be the magic formula for them uh, to, 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 to get in. Um, the reality of this game is, yeah, I, I picked the Jets. I thought actually Mike White coming back in, that was going to be the spark. That's what they needed. They needed to get their, their game on effectively. Um, and I have immense uh, respect for Robert Sattler as a coach and, and what he has done generally in turnaround. But the, the sad reality is now the Jets are uh, seventh season in a row with a losing record, haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. I mean, 12 seasons in a row. I had hair back in 2011. That's how long ago it was, you know. Um, this this um, this was not a good end to the season. We talked. I mentioned it earlier about the swoon of the Dolphins, the swoon of the Jets, and you, you know, a few weeks ago we wouldn't have foreseen it. Um, but the Seahawks again deserve all the credit. We've talked long and hard about Carol and Schneider's moves. But the move to bring in Geno Smith and what he's delivered, he's actually now completed a clean sweep of all his former employers. He beat the Chargers, he beat the Giants, and now he beat the Jets. Um, uh, and for me, he should be nailed on comeback player of the year. He's had a, a fantastic season from the, the precipice of, uh, I won't say uncertainty, again, to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, I'll say uh, the precipice of doom and uh, you know forever being perpetually cast as a backup. Uh, he has definitely earned... A starter job, maybe at Seattle, maybe elsewhere um, uh, in due course. And yeah, it's great that they were in with a shot. I will give one shout out as well to Mr. Brian O'Leary, who at the start of the season predicted the Seahawks would have 13 wins on the year. Um, he actually said nine. He actually said nine. We've just added a, a win every quarter of the season. But he said the Seahawks would have nine wins. And sure enough, they go into the last game of the season with every chance of going nine and eight and having those nine wins. So, uh, uh, fair play. Shout Mr. out there. I yeah. had to keep yeah. ready for next week. Did we? Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Heisenberg's it's, uncertainty principle, but O'Leary's certainly principle. I it's more about the reaction of Colin. Colin, I think at the time, if you get a cup of tea, I think he nearly, he nearly spit it out on, yeah. on, his, uh, on his dashboard. So it'll be interesting to see. So well, his keyboard. No driving while we're doing podcasting, please. <laughs> okay. Right. We'll move on to the, the last game of the weekend that we're going to talk about. And then we'll, we'll do a little uh, chit chat on the Monday Night Football uh, as well. So this is Steelers at the Ravens. Um, pretty low score in one. I think 16-3 was the final score. I'm going to go to uh, you first, Christina. Tell us uh, tell us your thoughts on this one. Look, this just goes to show Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are not going away. Simple as they're just not going away. This game really epitomized how the Steelers and Ravers have been over the last few years. Two teams, bruising defenses, absolutely killing one another. Typical Steelers-Ravens game starts on a point-by-point -point basis. You know, I have a Steelers fan at home. And I can tell you the house was shaking after the win last night. I think we also need to remember that this Steelers team is very, very young. They don't have a lot of veteran people there. It's all powered by young rookies, young guys who've just come in over the last year or so, and they've just taken a long time to get together. You can really see, though, since TJ Watt has come back, how much influence he has on that team, how he brings them all together, that it's no longer just Cam Hayward's voice in the background. Everyone listens and respects him and really fears him. Kenny Pickett again this week just went to show again why he was that real rookie choice. He was amazing 
really, really amazing. And he threw some passes that if Mahomes actually threw them passes themselves, it would have been called throw of the year. Some catches as well. Again, it would have been catch of the year. But again, because it's not these long-standing quarterbacks that we're used to being able to see, it's just never been noted for sure. The Ravens, they're just full of injuries. They really and truly are. And again, you know, they're really limping to the playoffs. It happened last year. It's happening again this year. If Lamar comes back, what Lamar will we get? Will we get the Lamar that's afraid to be injured again and risk being out for the rest of the season? Or will he come back all guns blazing? And I definitely think the next two weeks is going to be interesting to see for sure how both teams are going to play out. Awesome. And I'm not sure if it was my audio or a slip of the tongue, but I thought you said Steelers versus Ravers. And I was like... Now that's the matchup I want to see. Okay, Colin, what was your take on it? Was it was it a rave or was it a, a steely steely fight? What, what what's your make of it? Yeah, I too heard ravers, and uh, I was wondering where we going to you know hear some two unlimited come on in the the background. Um, for look, th- this is I said it on the the show the other day. Brian said about you know what was the most important figure? It's Magic Mike Tomlin. When you have divisional games at the end of the uh, year, and you are kind of fighting for uh, for your playoff chances and fighting to keep both five out. I don't think there's anyone you would want more uh, than Mike Tomlin. Um, he loves beating up on his divisional rivals. And you saw it last night. You went and you saw Najee take the towel. Um, the Steelers are known for the terrible towels, but the Ravens had their own towels. And Najee went over and took it. George Pickens absolutely loved every second of winding up the Ravens fans. This is what Mike Tomlin Steelers are all about. And they will thoroughly look forward to the matchup next week. Some teams worry about divisional matchups and all the stress and pressure that comes with it not the uh not the the Steelers um for the the Ravens yeah I think Christine has covered a lot of it it's it's all about getting Lamar back um because right now they they struggle so much to to score points um but the you know the Steelers are in with a chance and and a decent chance you would have to say of sneaking into the playoffs and for them where there was an awful lot of doubt and where people asked all sorts of questions of Kenny Pickett I really think the era of 24-7 news media and social media has broken people's brains people expect young QBs to come into the league and be instantaneous superstars for them never to make a mistake uh, for there to be no need for them to transition from college it does take time um, and can, has Kenny Pickett been lights out no but has Kenny Pickett improved throughout the year and put them in a position to be where they are with with a, a puncher's chance of, of getting there absolutely so yeah really really interested in obviously that week 18 matchup nice one did Mark, did you want to come in very quickly there? Uh, yeah, Kelly, just, I suppose, I mean, if you stayed up for this, uh, you were uh, thinking of the Ravers theme, suffering with insomnia. Uh, you can't get those. <laughs> and RIP Maxi Jazz in that regard. Oh, but great. Um, we, uh, we talk about the Steelers and we talked about who in the AFC has gone off the boil. Like, credit where credit's due. They've won five out of their last six. They've won four in a row away from home. Um, they are quite literally, unbelievably, given the start of the year, the hottest team in that race. And as Christina said, um, you know, you can't ever kill them. They're like a cross between Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, for Christ's sake. So, um, 
Yeah, they they need they need they need this sequence of events though. Just let's remember they have to beat the Browns. Patriots lose to the Bills. Well, that's probably a little bit easier in that regard. But they also then need the Jets to win. They need to beat the Dolphins for the the, the Steelers to get in, and that might be the trickiest part of their combination ahead. Um, but they could hit the trifecta. Who knows? Very good. Jason versus Michael versus Ravers. That's the one I'm taking away from that. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Football while we still have a few minutes left. Um, so this is the Bills up against the Bengals. It's a pretty, pretty good um, good matchup here. Um, now, uh, just, just to note that Columns actually put out a couple of really quality podcasts in the last few days with uh, the sort of the Buffalo and the Cincy stuff. Uh, so check that out as well wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, let me hear from uh, each of you perhaps i'll go to you uh first brian and then maybe christina call up mark um on this one monday night well where we spoke last week and the last few was around the scheduling of the nfl and how they pick certain games out like for example the broncos and the rams on christmas day everybody thought that was going to be two teams challenging for the playoffs and few other games that just didn't materialize even mark spoke earlier about the chargers and the rams and in, in you know in la last night the NFL have got this one bang on the money. This is a huge, huge game. It's arguably the biggest game of the season. There's so many different storylines that can be written within this game. I mean, if the Bengals win, the Bills go from being the one seed to the three seed. The Bengals leapfrog into two. The Chiefs move into one. Or, or the Bills go and win this game and essentially put the Ravens back in with an opportunity of winning the division next weekend because then they could they could go into Cincinnati, win that game, despite their injuries, and win, win the division. So there's just so many storylines going into this game. This has the makings of a great game. I mean, these we're talking about the hottest teams in the league. You can argue these two are the hottest two as well in the AFC. The Bengals have been on a rich vein of form. Joe Burrow is playing at the level we saw last year, and the similarities to their season this year is so like last year. They started off very slowly, got it going, then they went into the playoffs super hot, and they went on the run to the Super Bowl. And obviously, we got to watch them in person there last February in LA. And for the Bills, this game is so crucial because we've spoke time and time again about how they need this number one seed. If they go on the road, whilst they have a great side, there's always playoff games are just crazy and you just never know what to expect. If, they, if everybody has to come in to, to Armour Park in Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl, it changes everything. For the game itself, I'm going to side with the Bengals. I just, for some reason, I just, was the Bills should win, I think the Bengals right now, at home in particular, have something going and I just think it'll be an absolute crazy atmosphere. And we have a few Bengals fans that we, me and Colin met, met in, uh, in the Super Bowl who have been in touch this week and they're really looking forward to going to the game tonight. I think the Bengals will win a very close, high-scoring game. Okay, Bengals. Christina, what's your take? I have to agree with Brian, um, for sure. You know, lot the Bengals haven't actually lost a home game since week one, which was actually to the Steelers. How crazy is that? Um, and you know what? They actually done that by missing an extra point out of all the things. Um, but I think Burrow and Jamar are definitely going to want to put on a show this week. They're definitely going to want to show that they are contenders for the going forward into the playoffs. I do think that, you know, Burrow is going to win. He is the second in the league for passes um, and also for touchdowns. He's got a 69% completion. Um, I know Buffalo is doing really well. I get that 100%, but I do think it's going to be Bengals. Now, I actually don't have them as high as what Brian is predicting. I'm actually only saying it's going to be about a three-point win for them. But I'm going with the Bengals. All right, Bengals again. Colm, what about you? Uh, this is interesting. And um, Mark right, rightly yeah, gave uh, Brian his kudos earlier on uh, for his 
Seahawks prediction. But during our season preview show, uh, I I got many things wrong, Kala, but I was the sole person to say that the Bengals would win their division. And yet tonight, as impressed as I am with them, I am siding with the Bills. And, And the reason for that is I think that the Bills are obsessed with having the number one seed and having home field advantage for the playoffs. I don't think the Bengals are as concerned about that. I think the Bengals can kind of go will go on the road and, and just uh, get get on with it. It's how they go about their business. But I think for the, the Bills, having gone through what happened to them uh, last year, they feel that having uh, people have to go through Buffalo uh, will make a real difference. And uh, for, for that reason, I'm going to say that they will do it. But this is an, an interesting one because the Bills are without Von Miller. The Bengals are without uh, Leo Collins. And so uh, it will be interesting to see uh, can because he has been integral to keeping Burrow upright. Um, so it will be a, a close matchup, I feel. But for me, the Bills just edge it. Okay. And Mark? Close us out. What's your take on tonight's game? Yeah, um, well, the Bills, uh, Calais, in the same token, when the uh, Dolphins and the Jets were vying for the AFC divisional title and many people were saying, oh, the Dolphins are going to overtake the Bills and, and things like this, and they've gone into their late swoon. The Bills, like the, the wonderful Patriots teams the last 20-odd years, just put the foot on the gas, put their foot on the throat to their opposition and have ground out the wins to yet another divisional title, pole position yet again for the first seed. And, um, sorry, yet again, your pole position for the first seed, obviously uh, in very strong contention with the Chiefs there. And it's in their hands. They win tonight. They beat the Patriots at home in Buffalo next week. They are the number one seed in the AFC. They get their bye, uh, and they only have three games to win to bring home that elusive Super Bowl to Buffalo. Um However, the reality is that their performance at times has been um, patchy. Um, They have not played as consistently well, I would say, this season, especially on defense, as they played last season. And it's remarkable I'm saying that because they're in a better position this year round. But actually, I would say their regular season performance last season, again, especially on defense, and they have been struggling with injuries, was actually superior. And... The Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, these aren't your mama's bungles uh, going on here. They are not only previously been in the Super Bowl, they are quite simply one of the hottest teams in the NFL at the moment in the last few weeks. Them and the 49ers, I would say in the second half of the season, have been the two star performers of the entire league. Um, they, The Bengals have one key problem tonight. I can't just lose it. Leo Collins went on IR. They're going to start Adenji or Prince at right tackle. Adenji was a walking turnstile for much of the playoffs last year. Um, and if the Bills were starting, still had Von Miller in place, for example, uh, and their defense was at the level it was at last year, I would put all the chips in the world on the Bills. But for some reason, I'm going to go with the hot hand. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. I'm going to go with the Bengals. There is a little bit of me, and I have to admit my bias here, there is a little bit of me that if the Bills lost and they were more locked into the third seed, they might go easier and rest some starters against the Patriots next week. So maybe there's just a little bit of prayer in this for me as well. Um, but um, 
hand on heart, I think I'll go with the Bengals. But it's going to be a barnstormer game. Brian summed it up great. This is going to be a great game, cracking Monday night football game to finish off the Monday night slots for this season. Um, and can't wait. It's got real kudos and got real um, importance to it. Absolutely. It's almost as exciting as the Irish NFL podcast, which is now nearly at its conclusion uh, tonight. Do we want to flash up any more comments, Brian, before we go? Or uh, I know you've been flashing them up there as, we, as we've as we gone along. A lot of people shouting out uh, Bengals and Bills and lots of other bits and pieces. There's been a lot of talk recently around uh, catches and what's a catch and what's not a catch. And we saw recently that the, the pages were on the wrong end with the Raiders and uh, Owen is saying, can we talk about the Adams catch in the Niners game near the end? Did the NFL know what a catch is? The ground clearly helped him. Um, it's been one of these common teams throughout the course of the season. Every officiating group sees teams very differently in the NFL. So can I can I make one point on this from a rule clarification point of view, though? Because you do hear Mike Pereira. We've had Dean Blandino on, and they talk about this all the time. It's not automatically invalidated, a catch, if the ball touches the ground. Um, Owen's point is right, though. If the ground helps you secure the catch, then it's, you know, deemed an incomplete pass. But if you're in the process of catching the ball, you're deemed to have possession and the ball still touches the ground at the end or in the continuum of that, it can still be ruled a catch. I mean, I do think they've improved it a lot more from the uh, the way back when there's Brian debacle. Um, fail Marys, things like you know, I mean, that, that was replacement rest, but there's Bryant and what a catch was a few years ago was appalling, and I do think it's got a lot better. Um, but it's always going to be one of those controversial things. The same thing with has the ball crossed the line, and we rely upon men with sticks of 10 yards of a billion dollar franchise to kind of go, Oh, yeah, 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 there's it's fourth and inches, there's only this much, uh, left, between, you know, to go. Honestly, yeah. those are the rules I barely understand there's about a hundred and one there's a flag on the play and somebody's like it was a blah 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 they might as well have said because honestly I, I can't keep up and that's that's anyway that's just me uh that's why i'm here to ask you experts uh all right i think that's enough for tonight's uh review um it's been a night of humble pie and heisenberg principles and all kinds of madness, uh, things that just elevate the talk about the game. So thank you all our panelists here tonight. Thanks to Christina, to Colm, to Mark and to Brian. Thanks to everybody who was tuning in and sharing their uh, comments as we went. And thanks for listening. And we'll catch you all next time. Thanks, everyone.